Welcome back to Sound Insight. It is a glorious day in the church's life. Today's the Feast of St. Philip Neri. We are going to pray. We are going to explore the life of St. Philip Neri. I am going to share with you some of the ways in which I have come to know and love St. Philip Neri and have a particular devotion to St. Philip Neri, and then invite you to um, learn from him to follow his example by engaging in a particular practice in the next nine days. It's a novena to the Holy Spirit leading up to Pentecost. That would be a great blessing. All right, speaking of a great blessing, we begin our programs with prayer. I had committed to pray for a sweet listener who contacted me um, yesterday, uh, or two days ago. I said, I'll pray for you on air yesterday. And I forgot, Alicia, I'm so sorry. So I pray, I'm going to pray for you. And, and so that you know that you called by name, that the Lord sees you, he knows you, he is loving you. He is loving you. As we pray, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I come before you today with Alicia and so many others who seek your face, who look to you with hope and longing and expectation, for you are our Father. Lord, I ask that you would, in a very special way, bless all of those who hear, that, Lord, we would... um, that we would honor you in all that we say and think and do. Lord, I ask that you would give us the grace to look to the saints, to look to heaven, to call upon the saints for their mighty intercession. And Lord, I ask as well that you would uh, grant a sense of uh, stirring in our hearts to seek after you, to... Uh, Follow your path and plan for our lives. And Lord, give us the grace to engage in a novena to the Holy Spirit this year, to experience a deeper outpouring and release of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, I also pray in a, um, in a very particular way that the Lord in his tender compassion would visit the homes of those families in Texas who lost their children in that terrible, tragic shooting. Lord, I pray for each of those, those departed souls, those little children, I pray for the families that have lost their loved ones. I pray for the two adults uh, whose lives were lost as well. I pray for uh, them. Lord, I pray for that your mercy would reign with with great abundance upon them. And I also pray for uh, friends of ours who um, lost a child uh, through a tragic accident uh, yesterday as well. Jesus, I ask tender mercies Lord, we look to you and and have uh, a deep trust that you have welcomed that sweet, innocent child into his heavenly home, uh, there to be with you forever, and that, Lord, that he would smile down with his intercessory care to pray for his mom and his dad and, and his siblings who are mourning and grieving tremendously right now. Pray for them, sweet John. And I ask, Lord, that you would bless all parents who mourn the loss of a child, especially those that lose a child in unexpected and tragic ways. And for each of those family members, Lord, whose lives are impacted, I pray, Jesus, that you would cover them with your mercy. Just wash over them. Flood their hearts and minds with your mercy, Lord. Mother Mary, please may your mantle of motherly intercession be especially close to them in this very difficult time. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. When I got a text message from uh, a friend about uh, this tragic accident that took the life of this sweet four-year-old boy, um, and just uh, unimaginable pain and uh, just... The, the the trauma, the the suffering that the mom and the dad and the siblings are facing right now, uh, it it brings to mind one of St. Philip Neri's most famous uh, uh, slogans, one of his most famous uh, cries, Paradiso, Paradiso, heaven, paradise. It was something that he would teach his followers, those devoted to him in song, um, a song that constantly pointed the kids to remember that heaven's our true home, that when you see and experience and um, share in the truth and the beauty and the goodness of this created world, it is only a shadow of the the immense reality of God who is infinite truth, beauty, and goodness, the source of all truth, beauty, and goodness, and our, our Father who has created a home for us there, Jesus who has prepared the way, and the Spirit who lives in our hearts to give us a longing for that home. We often forget these things, they're obscured from our minds. We get distracted by the busyness of our lives. We just get focused on things that are, in the end, don't matter. They just don't carry a lot of weight. And the the reality that we only get shaken out of that lethargy, out of that distractedness by things like these terrible tragedies is, is it's a sadness. It's a sadness that that's, that's the way things are. That's the way things end up happening. And so I, um, you know, I, I, I hope and pray that maybe, maybe, uh, you know, like as this tragedy that, you know, hits our entire country when we, see the, the loss of life in, in Texas of these 19 students, it can shake us up and wake us up to say, wait a minute, what is going on? And what can we do about it? Um, tragedies that strike more personally, that are closer to home, um, can have a more lasting impact. It's just too easy to swipe to the next article and just move on. Uh, but when it's closer to home, you don't just move on. You have to move forward, but you don't move on. You have to move forward, in, in a, and life has changed, and, and there has been a shift. So, well, today in Sound Insight, I am focused on the feast day of today. Uh, it's one of the things I look forward to when I think about the end of May, is that it will sometimes bring together a neat convergence between the Feast of St. Philip Neri and the celebration of Pentecost. I'd say that the celebration of Pentecost Sunday is, um, I don't know, for me, I think it's, my, it's, it's hard to say for me it's the most important feast day in, in the liturgical year for me, obviously Easter and Christmas, but for me personally, in terms of my own life of faith, Pentecost means so much to me. And I have a number of very powerful memories of, of the celebration of Pentecost Mass, often the Pentecost Vigil um, that I participated in because of uh, the, well, the involvement in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal that I've had. Um, but I'm moving a little bit far afield because in some ways it traces back to St. Philip Neri. And then we'll get to the Novena to the Holy Spirit, which means, uh, this means uh, 
Pope Leo the Thirteenth, which also then means a a sweet Italian nun, Sister Elena Guerra, um, who uh, was a a bit of a pest to this Pope, to Pope Leo, <laughs> pestering him to draw out more attention to the role of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and fostering devotion to the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. And that persistent nun had an impact on the Pope. <laughs> this little obscure nun, and Italian nun, had a way of getting Pope Leo to take action. So there you go. So we'll, we'll hear a bit about uh, that as well. But in the end, it's going to be an invitation for you to to engage in what is the first novena, the novena to the Holy Spirit. Nine days of praying intentionally, seeking for a deeper outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's something that you can do. It is not that complicated. I'll just give you the, the bottom line now. You can go to EWTN.com and just look up novena to the Holy Spirit. Or just Google novena to the Holy Spirit and look up the EWTN.com link and it'll get you to an easy to pray version that's also very powerful. All right, but let's start with St. Philip Neri. I've got, wow, more than enough quotes from St. Philip Neri to fill the entire program. I won't have time to go into it all, but um, let's just begin with some of the the details of his life. So he um, was a 16th century saint and in a lot of ways was God's answer to the Protestant Reformation. He is one of the most important figures in the Catholic counter Reformation. Uh, St. Philip Neri, a holy priest in Rome and the founder of a uh, religious community, the, the Oratorians, the Congregation of the, uh, the Oratorians, and um, of the Oratory, the Oratorians. And he was someone who fostered tremendous renewal and evangelistic fervor in the city of Rome, so much so that he, in his time, was called the Apostle of Rome. You think of the Apostle of Rome, you think St. Peter or even St. Paul, right? These are the two of the founding apostles of the Christian faith in Rome. But the impact that St. Philip Neri had was so great that he was also referred to as an Apostle of Rome because he was alive at a time when the church was experiencing deep corruption um, at you know from the top down, right? Uh, bishops and uh, cardinals and, and popes that were living uh, unholy lives, uh, unworthy lives. And uh, in comes St. Philip Neri. Um, well, what was it that moved St. Philip Neri to be this joyful evangelist? this amazing preacher. Um, it was said that he would preach and, and, and crowds would gather. Um, his, uh, his preaching would often follow after the spectacle that he would create. He um, was a very charismatic, I mean that in a, sort of, let's call it natural sense that the Holy Spirit certainly built on. Um, he drew followers to himself and so among them were great musicians. And so they would go out into the streets of Rome and start a parade um, with songs and, dan and, and uh, a great sense of joy and celebration and, and verve. And crowds would follow along, like, what is going on here? And he would have his little troop march right up into churches, and then he would preach. <laughs> what a great way to draw them in. He would uh, bring him in and he would preach and his homilies would have impact. He would have tremendous impact uh, because of his, uh, his holiness and his uh, forcefulness in his preaching. And many followers began to follow him as a result of that. And so his uh, approach to evangelizing was one that was take to the streets and let your joy radiate and uh, make a make a, a joyful display of that faith in procession. But there was more to, to it than that. There, there was a deeper secret to his impact. And that deeper secret to his impact was the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit alive in him. It was Pentecost, the spirit of Pentecost alive in him that had such an impact. We'll explore more about that in a minute on Sound Insight. So St. Philip Neri, it's his feast day today, and he was this great reformer of the church in the 15th, in the 16th century. And he um, had a great following. I became um, a devoted follower of St. Philip Neri in a couple of ways. One was that I would pass by him most days. Um, when I was living in Rome. So living in Rome at the North American College, I'd walk down the Gianicolo Hill, um, where the North American College is, overlooking St. Peter's, very beautiful view. Walk down the hill, cross over the bridge, and walk down the Via del Corso. And if I walked down the Via del Corso on my way to the Gregorian University, or if I cut down one of the back alleys to get off the main road, Either way, I would pass by the Chiesa Nuova, the Chiesa Nuova, um, which was the, the new church, and in this Chiesa Nuova is the incorrupt body of St. Philip Neri. It's at the site of where his oratory was, his uh, house of prayer, his community that would pray, uh, foster beautiful liturgical song, classical music, and prayer. And he discipled many lay people and others into the religious life through the oratorians. But one of the great gifts of being in Rome is that I would walk by the places where saints were buried. And it, it, it could be easy to become somewhat numb. Like, there's so many amazing saints. Like, just on my walk to, to school, I'd pass by, you know, the, the body of St. Catherine of Siena as well on my way to school every day. And I'd pass by um, some of the holy remains of um, St. Francis Xavier, uh, the place where St. Ignatius Loyola uh, lived when he was in Rome, and um, and so many other saints, right? Well, um, it's hard to become devoted to all saints, but there is a way in which the Lord can draw your attention to certain saints that he says, I want to connect you to them. And one of the ways that you might find saints that you were being drawn into a deeper sense of relationship is by getting to know their lives and by reading their writings. So for me, it was learning more about the life of St. Philip Neri. And I can remember reading about the life of St. Philip Neri. And there is the probably the most uh, spectacular moment of transformation for St. Philip Neri that he records is associated with a time of vigil leading up to Pentecost and involving a seeking, asking, and knocking for the gift of the Holy Spirit to be poured out into his life. St. Philip Neri did this. He was, um, I think, 39 years old. He, it's not like he was a young man. It wasn't like this happened when he was a teenager. Um, but he was praying fervently in the catacombs, now, in the catacombs, you, you probably know, in the early church were pl- places of gathering for prayer for Christians, especially in times of persecution, right? And so because it was outlawed, they could be in the underground caverns of the catacombs, the cemeteries, uh, these burial places of Christians, and there they would gather and pray. Well, he was gathering in one of these catacombs by himself, and he was praying for hours, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. More of you, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of Pentecost. Come and dwell in me as you dwelt in the apostles. Come as a fire into my heart, into my life, O Holy Spirit. Don't hold back, Holy Spirit. Make Pentecost come alive in me in a whole new way. Release within me, O Holy Spirit, 
the gifts and graces of baptism and confirmation. I want to be fire. I want to be like the burning bush. Uh, I want to be consumed without being destroyed by you, O holy fire of God. Right? I'm not reading a prayer of St. Philip Mary, by the way. <laughs> I'm just imagining and entering into the, like, what's the heart of St. Philip as he was seeking the Holy Spirit? What What would be the sentiments? What would be the manner of his own longing, yearning, and anguished cry for more of the Holy Spirit. What would that look like? I was just sort of just trying to draw, you know, like join into that and just say, how how do I pray for more of the Holy Spirit? How do I pray for a deeper release of the spirit of Pentecost in my life? Right? Like just stop and think about it. What happened to the apostles and disciples when they were in the upper room praying at Pentecost. Jesus had said, don't, don't even try to evangelize. Don't even bother with the idea of going out and going out uh, you know, to, to your neighbor, not to mention to the ends of the world. Don't even bother trying until the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then you'll be my witnesses. Okay, hear it again, and then let's think about our lives. Jesus is saying this to the apostles. Right? This is the risen Lord Jesus saying this to the apostles. They must have thought that they were already pretty hot stuff because they were having these appearances of the risen Lord Jesus coming to them, teaching them, uh, walking with them, helping them realize they're not alone. And you know, here they are, you know, and now they're in the upper room and Jesus ascends and he says, don't leave. Don't go anywhere. Don't try to be my witness without my power. Don't even try to proclaim me, Jesus, as risen from the dead without the spirit who raised me from the dead to be released in you so that you can be then making that work, that word, come alive through the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Right? Without the Holy Spirit coming alive in you, don't even bother. So if we hear that in our lives, I ask, I stop and say on the one hand, no wonder we don't evangelize more as a Catholic Church. We don't evangelize more as a Catholic Church because it really doesn't feel like we have had a Pentecost in the Catholic Church. Because if you'd had a Pentecost in the Catholic Church, then people would be doing what the people who, in the first believers, did when they received the gift of the Holy Spirit come alive in them. They'd go out. They wouldn't be stopped. Flogging, whipping, threats, persecution, martyrdom. It's not going to stop us. In fact, as they were persecuted, what they do? They scattered. Oh, as you see, Tom, they were afraid. No, they scattered to proclaim. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna persecute us. Good. Let's keep going. Let's keep going, and let's keep, pro let's keep proclaiming Jesus Christ, because He is our meaning. He is our purpose. He is our life, and that, and that won't make any sense. I mean, you can understand the concept, but it won't make any existential sense to say that's true. That's true for me. So, if there's something we desperately need. If there's something that we have a huge deficit in in our life of in, in the Catholic Church today, in our life of faith, is too few Pentecosts have occurred. Too few people, too few Catholics have experienced a personal Pentecost. Now, theologically, I'm actually wrong. Uh, on the one hand. On the other hand, I'm right. But on the one hand, I'm wrong. Well, in what way am I wrong, and in what way am I right, and how can both be true? Well, Thomas Aquinas will help us. Okay. Thomas Aquinas says that there are certain sacraments that a grace can be communicated, but not fully received. Well, what in the world does that mean? A grace is communicated, but not fully received. Well, here is, at least in part, what it means, is that when, a, when certain sacraments, like confirmation, are communicated, 
uh, or are enacted, the one who is confirmed receives the grace and graces, the sanctifying grace and the gifts that are connected with that sacrament, as long as they're in the state of grace, that grace is communicated. However, the fact that it was given over doesn't mean that it has been fully actualized, fully yielded to, having the full effect that the giver intended when the giver communicated that grace. And so I use this example regularly uh, when I talk about this idea. Uh, and you go to a birthday party, and you have a gift for the person whose birthday it is. You go give that gift. They smile, and they look at you, and they say, thank you. And they say, my, what, lo- what a lovely wrapping. And they take that big box with that lovely wrapping and the ribbon on top, and they take it, and they put it aside. And you stop and ask yourself, first question, was the gift given? Yes, indeed, it was given. Was the gift received? Yes, indeed, it was received. Was the gift, is the gift having the effect, the impact that the giver intended it to have when the gift was given? And the answer is no, it's not. And why is that the case? Well, because the giver, uh, the, the recipient, never opened the package. The, the recipient didn't, you know, take off the ribbon, take off the wrapping, open the box, take it out of the box, and say, oh my goodness, look at this beautiful gift. Let me put it into service. Let me use it the way that it is intended. And so if that has any meaning at all, if that has any kind of validity to it, then Thomas Aquinas is saying this applies to certain sacraments like confirmation. Because in confirmation, God the Father is saying, I've got a gift. I've got sanctifying grace. That's the life of God. Like all sacraments, there's a promise to communicate the very life of God. And Jesus, who went to the Father, said, don't leave until... The Father sends the Spirit. And so the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit on the apostles and disciples and the Mother of God at Pentecost. And look what happened. And look what happened. Look what happens when someone is asking, seeking, and knocking, yearning and longing, and ready and waiting. And then when the gift is given, they open it up and they say, Yeehaw, let's go. Let's let it have the full effect it's intended to have. And what happens then? Well, fire driving wind, bold proclamation, signs, wonders, deeds of power, demons cast out, missionary zeal emerging, no fear from any human dangers, beatings, whippings, threats, no impact. So you see, this is what happens when the Holy Spirit is alive in someone. And so it's not that difficult to reach a conclusion but to say, you know, if our congregations, if our parishes are not expressing, are not manifesting Pentecost zeal, well, frankly, it's because of what St. Thomas Aquinas said. Grace of Pentecost, which is confirmation. Confirmation is the personal Pentecost of the believer. That's not me. That's the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Pentecost, that event is what confirmation is. It's the event of Pentecost come alive in each believer. Wow, okay, that being the case, if we're not seeing Pentecost-looking Catholics running around our parishes, then it says something about the quality and depth, the alertness and engagement of students receiving confirmation, of those who are preparing them, of what confirmation actually is, what is, it, what is its goal, what does the Lord intend, how do we get them ready to receive it, how do we give them a sense of faith expectation that this Spirit is the one that's coming, how do we help them discern what gifts it is that the Lord has poured upon them, and then how do we help form and shape and mold them to use those gifts in a way that glorifies God and fulfills our God-given purpose. These things just are happening to, in such a small degree, tiny, tiny degree. And 
And that's why the church isn't more evangelistic. That's why the church isn't more uh, radiant and more magnetic in our culture today, is that the Spirit is the Spirit is infinitely powerful, but in us the Spirit is weak. The Spirit is weak because of our own lack of a personal Pentecost. Let's come back around. What's today's feast day? It's the feast of St. Philip Neri. What did he do to experience a new Pentecost in his own life of faith? He went apart. He went to the hidden underground, and he prayed and waited and prayed and waited and prayed and waited and prayed and waited, and then the Spirit came. And the Spirit came as a ball of fire. Pentecost, burning bush. But this ball of fire did not remain distant or just rest on the head. This ball of fire entered his heart, entered his mouth, settled into his heart, and began to make his heart beat wildly. Well, that's not the end of the story. And what happens next is going to blow you away. I'll tell you about it in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. It's great to be with you today on this beautiful feast of St. Philip Neri. And just telling the story of what happened to St. Philip Neri in the catacombs in 1543. Um, He is 38, 39 years old, 38 years old. um, And he is begging, asking, seeking, knocking for more of the Holy Spirit in the catacombs for hours in the days leading up to Pentecost while the the Lord answered with fire. And that ball of fire filled his mouth, went down and settled into his chest, caused his heart to beat so wildly. And the joy that filled him was so intense and so profound and so overflowing that he fell to the ground in the heat, in this uh, agony and ecstatic heat that he felt in his body. And he cried out, relent, relent. Uh, It's too much. It's too much, Lord. I can't take it. And I just love that. I just love that. It's just too much. And so that's what happened to St. Philip. And we that was 1,500 years after the apostles. And so you stop and say, why don't we experience that? Do we even imagine that that's possible? Is it something that we would uh, ask and seek and knock on the door of St. Philip's life to ask him to intercede for us and say, uh, St. Philip, I want that. What happened to you? I want that and more. Can you pray for that, St. Philip? Can you pray for me right now that there would be an even greater outpouring on my life of the Holy Spirit, a deeper release in my heart, O Holy Spirit, even more than you experienced in the catacombs as you vigiled. Please, don't leave me behind in what you received all those centuries ago, because I want to receive that today. How about that? Is that kind of a bold prayer that you'd be willing to pray? That's a St. Philip Neri kind of prayer. And it's why we're so weak as a church, is we lack that power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit has already been given, but it has to be released. We have to pray for a releasing of that gift consciously, intentionally. And I, I love when I have a chance to pray with Catholics for that release of the gifts and graces of Holy of the Holy Spirit once given in baptism and confirmation for them to experience a new Pentecost a fresh Pentecost, a personal Pentecost in their lives. Because when that happens, transformation happens, change happens, lifestyles change, uh, new desires emerge. What they truly want for their lives becomes clarified. And so who doesn't want these gifts? Well, I think we all want them. The question is, why don't we take the actions that we ought to take in order to have these gifts come about? That's the real sadness. We need to be led. We need to be led. We need to be prompted. We need to be guided. We need to be supported and encouraged and held accountable to walk these paths. And, well, God has raised up saints and popes through the ages to help us with that. And St. Philip Neri is certainly one of the more prominent ones in his time. 
And so uh, just a couple of the quick little stories of why I love St. Philip Neri, and then I want to continue on this theme. I mentioned that reading um, about his life I just found so inspiring because his life was a sign, a living witness to this idea that holiness is both radiant and magnetic. Okay, did you hear that? God's holiness, alive in us, is both radiant and magnetic. It shines forth, but then it draws in. And uh, just, what was it, last week, there was uh, someone who had um, come in and, and talked about like, how do we help the church go further? How do we help the, the Catholics who are coming to this area be able to gather together and experience a deeper sense of God's power for their lives. And I'm like, here we go. It's a novena to the Holy Spirit. If that happened to St. Philip Neri, why can't we pray that that would happen for us? And I'll tell you what, it's not like we have to sum up somehow just come up with an idea and then bring it to God and say, hey God, we've got a good idea. Would you please honor this? No, it's 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 actually the opposite. Um, God reached out to the Pope. <laughs> God said, "Hey, Pope Leo the Thirteenth. Again, this is now the 1900s. I'm sorry, 19th century, so the 1800s, and the last quarter of the 1800s. Leo the Thirteenth, a very prolific writer of encyclicals. Right? These are important teaching documents. Um, he got contacted by." This humble sister, this humble sister started writing letters to Pope Leo. Because she this this humble sister, Elena Guerra, and the last name means war. There you go. This la, this sister's last name is battle. It's a war for in many ways what she was um writing to the Pope about was really in some ways. Um, acknowledging the spiritual warfare coming against the church, the spiritual warfare coming against the church in that time, and how the Holy Spirit was going to be the one who would provide power for believers to live their faith and be victorious today. Well, this little sister, Elena Guerra, um, first wrote and then eventually came to Rome to, to say, I need to meet with the Pope and I think it's one of those great signs of credibility that the Lord was able to break down and cut through all of the red tape and the administrative reasons why this was never going to be able to happen. And before you know it, here's Sister Elena uh, talking with Pope Leo, saying, you got to up your game, Holy Father. you got to up your game. We need more teaching about the Holy Spirit. We need more teaching about the Holy Spirit. And when Pope Leo had first heard this, he basically delivered a short paragraph um, um, in his Wednesday general audience and thinking, okay, I fulfilled the request of the sister. I spoke about the Holy Spirit and, uh, you know, checked the box. And boy, that was really something, but wow. Well, all of a sudden, another letter and another letter and another letter appear all saying, not enough, not enough. You got to do more than that. God is not yet satisfied with how you're attempting to fulfill his call. And Sister Elena is, is my mouthpiece to get through to the Pope. <laughs> so eventually the Pope is like, okay, okay, okay. And he decides to write a couple of encyclicals. And one, the one that's probably the most famous associated with the Holy Spirit is his encyclical um, on uh, the Holy Spirit. And in that encyclical, he writes about the Holy Spirit as this gift from God, the gift from the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and that the person of the Trinity, um, who uh, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, um, this Jesus is um, uh, still engaging with the world today. I am with you always until the end of time. So when you have believers on earth who are saying, I want more of that Holy Spirit, I want to go deeper into that Holy Spirit, um, all you have to do is read what Pope Leo ended up saying in his encyclical on the Holy Spirit. 
um, in it, he says that, among other things, that um, the, whole, the church, the Catholic church around the world, in all parishes, in all oratories, um, is to pray a novena to the Holy Spirit over these days. They are to pray a novena, your parish. Oh yeah, and this is in perpetuity. This is something that is intended to continue every year, a novena to the Holy Spirit, to draw special focus and attention to the person of the Holy Spirit, to explore teaching about the Holy Spirit and other gifts and graces connected with the sacrament of confirmation. And um, and then honest, frank conversation and dialogue around uh, those same themes. Well, this is what the Pope is calling for every year in every parish, a novena to the Holy Spirit. And, you know, to be honest, you stop and ask, have I ever seen any year in any parish a novena to the Holy Spirit? And the answer is for many of you, no. Never even heard of a novena to the Holy Spirit happening in a church, come and gather together and pray, and then maybe stay longer and adore the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament and spend some time vigiling and saying, I want more of you, Holy Spirit. I want more of you, Holy Spirit. I want a personal Pentecost, Holy Spirit, to come alive. And I know I can say this, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit that happened to me on November 1st, 1984, brought about a deeper release and empowerment by the Holy Spirit that changed my life forever. It brought me more freedom, more joy, more ease, more hunger for scriptures, a willingness to talk about Jesus, all because of that gift of Pentecost come alive. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Okay, so here we are. You can do this. Do you want to continue to live a life of faith as you've experienced it now? Or are you interested in, are you open to the idea that this year can be different? That you too can seek for a deeper release of the power of the Holy Spirit given to you in baptism and confirmation. Nothing nothing weird here. Nothing uh, odd. This is like Thomas Aquinas stuff that you can, what he called revivescence, to revive. To revive the grace and gifts once given, once that, one, that were once communicated in the sacrament, and were received, but weren't fully activated. And you can pray for that. I have prayed for that for 38 years. Whoa! Yes, that's right. Um, Even longer, I think, but for 38 years at least, I have been praying for a deeper release and empowerment with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and moving me in a new way. And it, it this might sound kind of odd, but it doesn't take that long in conversations with um, priests or bishops or church leaders and church professionals. It doesn't take long for uh, someone who um, has that sense of openness to the power of the Spirit and that has experienced a deeper release of the Holy Spirit to be able to come away from a conversation saying, yeah, that person doesn't get it. (laughs) That person has not recognized that there's more to this life of faith than a strict following of the rules and an ability to conform to the statements of what the church teaches, that somehow that means they're fulfilling their duties no, no, there's so much more of the the drama. Really, it's dramatic. The drama of being led by the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day basis. Uh, if you'd like to try this, not too far into your day, just, just say a prayer. Here, I'll just pray with you. Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, Spirit of fire, Spirit of, of a sponge, 
Holy Spirit, please, I ask that you would stir in the hearts of all of those who are with me now, that you would prompt them. We just give you permission. We give you permission, Holy Spirit, to prompt in us uh, a nudge to go talk to someone, to share something with someone, to be open to receive a person uh, into our lives prudently. Um, To be able to do that, you know, that, that would be an incredible gift, wouldn't it? And that's what we can pray for. We can pray for those gifts. Um, and and so I do. I do, and, and I encourage you to pray for those gifts as well. But then get ready, because it's not always easy for the things that we're asking for to actually be in a, um, a, a right place in terms of saying, yes, this th- these are the gifts I ought to be praying for right now. We don't always know what we ought to pray for. So, um, but St. Philip Neri, when he experienced this, uh, this radiant Pentecost that was magnetic, it would have power. It wasn't just like some kind of misty attraction that people can write off. No, uh, his disciples, the ones that were following him um, as oratorians, would tell these stories of um, the then, you know, Bishop or Cardinal Philip Neri um, around the community that he um, would be approached by a seminarian out of the blue sometimes and just being told that they were this this you know that they were in trouble in in terms of they might not be able to stay and um, and so Saint Philip Neri would say come close to me just draw close to my my cloak, and feel the beating of the Lord's heart, feel the warmth of his love, feel that sense of anointing that the Lord is alive and loving you right now where you're at. And there are these stories of um, his followers who would say they would come to St. Padre Pio burdened by situations, burdened by temptations, and that when they would disclose this to Padre Pio, he would draw them close. And just that being in the physical proximity of this walking burning bush, (laughs) this walking spirit of Pentecost alive in them, um, that St. Philip, when he showed up, and uh, the temptations flew away. Couldn't take it. The temptations flew as St. Thomas Aquinas uh, arrived. And so wouldn't we want that for our old lives? Wouldn't we want that? I'm sorry, not Thomas Aquinas. St. Philip Neri arrived. You caught that. I, I think you guys, you knew that was coming, right? So so St. Philip Neri, because of the radiant holiness of his life, was very magnetic. Um, it was said that when he would preach, he'd preach sometimes for extended periods, and that um, you'd have this phenomenon of people passing out, that his words became so forceful that they would pass out. And it wasn't just, oh, they were tired, there was heat exhaustion, or um, they have uh, an inclination towards fainting uh, because they've been out in the sun too long. No, this was a sense of St. Philip speaking about the glory of God in a compelling way that was so moving to the one who heard it that they got caught up in it. They got caught up in it, and as a result, they themselves experienced this amazing gift of um, a kind of, you know, um, union um, with the Lord. And so um, the gift of the Holy Spirit is not something that remains in the past. The gift of the Holy Spirit is present. Uh, The Holy Spirit is oftentimes one who is unknown, underappreciated, not focused on in our spiritual lives. But in this time of Pentecost, can you make an effort? Can you make a commitment to say, Lord, I'm not sure I have a lot of prayers for you today, but I do desire to get to know you better. I do desire to let this uh, this Easter season uh, be different. And as I approach in this time of Novena, uh, Pentecost Sunday, and the leaving behind of the Easter season, I want to leave behind that life that was ordinary. As I enter back into ordinary time, I want to do so as someone who's extraordinary. 
Um, And so please do that, Lord. Give me the grace. Give me the graces I need to experience the, um, the reality of an extraordinary, ordinary time. Uh, and then watch what the Lord will do. Watch what the Lord will do. Uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to overstate the power and importance of the Holy Spirit coming alive in you if you want to be victorious and if you want to help shepherd others, family members, friends, the children under your care, or other random people that you'd meet that the Lord is connecting you with. Just be open to it. Be open to what the Holy Spirit might ask of you you'll find that your life of faith is so much more dramatic because it's no longer just under your control or influence. No, there's another one. There's the Holy Spirit within you who can move you, just like he moved St. Paul, just like he moved St. Stephen, just like he moved St. James. Oh, by the way, they were all martyrs, but joyful martyrs, martyrs who were willing to make the um, make the effort, the sacrifice to... Uh, be able to um, be available. And just stop and think about that. Imagine how dramatic your day is if the Holy Spirit is yielded to, right? come to a rotary, the Holy Spirit is yielded to, and to see where he's going to lead you and what he's going to ask from you. You might, you might be prompted to pray with a couple, right? even in a professional setting. You might be uh, prompted to, uh, I don't know, wear... Um, Wear a crucifix or a rosary, or uh, and a rosary. I don't mean around your neck, but you know they have those ten decade rosaries, right? Ten. I'm sorry, ten bead rosaries that you can put around your wrist or around your hand. That can be also a a, a visible sign of your faith. So many things that you can do, but when the time comes to have the conversation, the time comes to answer the questions. Wouldn't you want to have the um, the special protection and armor of those who have studied those those issues specifically. And so you can be one of those people. You can be one of those people that says, Lord, I want to be available. I want to be ready. I want to be one of those people who can be called on, but I need to be alive in the Spirit. So no one has arrived perfectly here on earth. Um, we're still on the way. We're still underway. But the Lord has given us power that goes beyond what we expect, beyond what we deserve, beyond what we've earned, beyond what we imagined. And so I'm going to encourage you to give the Lord space. Give the Lord permission to release within you the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, beyond what you imagined, and then get ready for a whole new level of the beauty of the drama of the life of faith, the life of a disciple. All right, I'm up against the end of my program. Tomorrow, Carrie will be with me as we have another Faith and Family Friday. God bless your day. Do not miss this beautiful feast. Call upon the intercession of St. Philip Neri and get ready for the Novena to the Holy Spirit beginning tomorrow.